when I started the church in December, we, you may remember the title, you probably don't, uh, was Hope for Christmas. As I prayed about what we needed to look at this year, it was very much hope again. When we had the hope for Christmas and as we were meeting together, we, we kind of hoped that this year wouldn't be like last year. And it seemed like this year was going to be okay, and then it wasn't. <laughs> and it hasn't been. It's been a difficult year. In some ways, uh, for some, it's been more difficult this year than it actually was last year. And so as we approach Christmas, we're, we're thinking again on this topic of hope. Uh, when you think about hope and Christmas, there's two things that we hold together. The, the hope that was delivered to us in Jesus, uh, the hope that is present, and then the hope that is future, the hope that comes when Jesus returns. Uh, the, the two passages that we've heard from this morning hold together these two hopes, the, the hope uh, that is fulfilled in Jesus and the hope that will be, is still yet to be fulfilled, will be fulfilled in Jesus. I wonder, as you think about the year that's passed, what are some of the hopes that you've had dashed over the last years? Maybe you want to share it quickly with the person that's beside you. What, what are some of the things that you hoped for that you've not seen happen? I won't let you get moving too much on those conversations because I think they could go for a while. There's, there's lots of things that we'd hope for. There's holidays, there's opportunities, there's lots of things that we'd hope for. Maybe it's even a project that you'd hope for. Maybe even if you're part of the people that have been working on the grounds of our church, you just hoped that we would wouldn't have them get on top of us like they did last year. And well, once again, a hope stash. But I'm so thankful for the faithful people that have been working and helping. And let me insert a plug here. We're having a working bee next Saturday. I uh, would love you to be a part of that. Uh, fulfill our hope of this place looking new and welcoming. I've been looking at that courtyard out there and I was thinking, oh, that would be a really great space for, for a barbecue. You could help me fulfill that hope. I, I walked back into my office after having been in my home office most of this year and I looked at it and I thought, oh, I don't like it much. <laughs> I don't like it as much as I, I, I didn't like it when I left it when we were told to go and work at home. And so I spent five hours in the last 48 hours giving fresh coats of white to yellow filing cabinets and I brought in a new table and it looks really nice and when, when we see hope fulfilled uh, what we actually find restored in us is just more capacity for life I wonder uh, over this last year whether you've recognised that your capacity and energy has dipped it's not that you've just been sitting at home and doing more uh, sedentary type things it's actually our capacity is deeply connected to hope. Uh, the capacity that you feel for life is deeply connected to hope. When you, wake, when you struggle to get out of the bed in the morning, it's because you have no hope for the day. When you struggle to get moving in your day, it's because you have no hope for what you're 
doing. Now, the lockdowns that we've experienced has forced us to think about now. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, about today, about tomorrow, about next week. And planning a month in advance has felt dangerous. That's done something to our hope. Our hope has kind of been compressed down. And some of the things that we often look forward to, like holidays and uh, a, a break and visiting people and parties and celebrations, they've been compressed down. So the things that have usually driven us have in some ways disappeared. If you, if you want an example of, of how hope is connected to capacity, think of people that are recently immigrated to Australia. I don't know if you've ever seen someone that has the hope of establishing their family and future generations. They work and seem to have an extraordinary capacity to work off multiple jobs in order to bring family out and then establish the future generations. We've seen that as many people have immigrated to Australia. They work the jobs that no one else wants to work. Uh, in order to support the family, working long hours, being treated badly, because they have a hope. Now, for, for those that live comfortable, our, our hopes are often connected to more trivial, more short-term things, often things. Uh, my kids have been seeding with me some of the things that they're hoping for for Christmas, uh, Hamish has said he, he's hoping for a worm farm and there's a the list of other things and I'm not telling any of the kids whether their hope is going to be fulfilled. But when you get the present that you hoped for, what have you got? You've got the thing. Uh, but where does your hope go? Well, you've got what you hoped for. You need to find something else to hope for. And most advertising is directed towards helping you to hope for something new after you've got something. Most things that are designed well are designed with accessories that you hope for. Uh, toys, uh, a new game, a new puzzle, a, a new thing is promoted to us so that we have something else to look forward to and hope for. But things in themselves ultimately are just things and they don't, while, while they may displace some of the dis disappointment that we experience when hope is not fulfilled. They don't carry us forward into the future. So what are you hoping for? Hope is generally found in a plan fulfilled for a thing or an activity. When I woke up and I had this thought of, I want my office looking nicer, I had an enormous amount of capacity between 7am and I think about 10am on Saturday morning yesterday to just get it all done. And it's all done. And now my hope's fulfilled. I'm thinking, well, how can I fulfill that same type of hope differently? There's other rooms. There's a hallway down there that is coffee brown that I would really love not to be coffee brown. But those are kind of short-term things. Hope is found in plans fulfilled, plans for today, tomorrow, next year, this season of life. Uh, the bigger our hope... Uh, and the more we can see progress, the more likely we have capacity to continue towards that. If you see no progress on the hope that you have, often a hope will kind of get parked at the side. But hope is best connected to purpose. Hope is best connected to purpose. If there's no purpose associated with, with hope, no greater thing 
connected to your hope, then once it's fulfilled, you have no purpose beyond it. And so hope needs a connection to purpose in order to be a sustainable hope. So what does the Bible have to say about hope? In Jeremiah, and you're welcome to open your Bibles to these passages. I'm on page 644 of your Pew Bibles. In Jeremiah 33, uh, it's speaking into a dry desert place. It's, it's speaking uh, into a place uh, that is without human beings or animals, a desolate place, a place where they, they imagined would be rich and fertile, uh, is very much in need of restoration. In verse 12 of chapter 3, the, the Lord says, In this place that is waste, without human beings or animals, and in all its towns, there shall be again pasture for shepherds resting their flocks. And so Jeremiah 33 begins to paint this vision for people of what hope may look like when it's fulfilled. The prophet Jeremiah begins to speak into the the disappointment of God's people in order to say, well, this thing, these things that you hoped for are going to be restored these days are coming. And so in the passage that we heard read uh, this morning, it says, the days are surely coming, says the Lord. So looking at verse uh, 14, the days are surely coming when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and on, at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. Right now, they're oppressed by foreign nations. They don't feel safe. They don't go to bed feeling safe. And so Jeremiah points them to a time of hope where they're going to experience safety, where where they will rest well, where they will enjoy and reap the harvest from the land. It's really interesting in verse 15 that it says that I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David. Not from David, for David. Why why does it use the word for David there? Think think of the promises that God made to David, that there's always going to be someone on your throne. That forever there will be a king that, that reigns from the line of David. That promise is fulfilled in Jesus. But it says for David. Who did God make the promise to? David. The same David that slept with Bathsheba, uh, who was not his wife. The the same David that then slaughtered uh, Bathsheba's husband, Uriah the Hittite. God's doing this for that David, that David who has long since died. What we see in this is that uh, God's fulfillment of of hope is, is not connected towards our faithfulness. It's about his faithfulness. And so what springs up? What springs up is a is a righteous thanks Hamish. What springs up is a, is a righteous branch. I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David. That branch is Jesus. Jesus is the righteous branch. He shall execute justice, justice and righteousness in the land. 
In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. And this is the name by which it will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. Uh, So we're the fulfillment of this promise. The church is the fulfillment of what's been promised hundreds of years earlier. That uh, the name you will be called by is the Lord is our righteousness. So when you think of hope, uh, when you think of hope not fulfilled, a lot of the time we'll go, oh, uh, good things don't really happen to me. Uh, look, I've not made the right choices in life, so I don't really deserve my, what I hope for to be fulfilled. I don't actually deserve to have a hope bigger uh, than what I see or can I can grasp or what I can hold. But the name that we're actually called by is not uh, your hope is found in your own righteousness. The name you're called by, we're called by, is the Lord is our righteousness. And if the Lord is our righteousness, what that means is uh, the, the God who sees and knows everything. So God knows whether we're righteous. What does it mean to be righteous? That we do what is right in God's eyes. God knows whether we're righteous or not. And he would look at every person's life here uh, and go, actually, you're not righteous. (laughs) And you might say, well, I do all the right things, but God looks at your thoughts (laughs) and your motivations and your heart. And he could look at you and say, you're not righteous. You haven't done the right thing in your thoughts or motivations or actions. But the name that God chooses to give us in Jesus is the Lord is your righteousness. And so when he looks at us, we are righteous because of what Jesus has done. We are in right standing before him. We can stand confidently before him because of what Jesus has done for us. And so when we think about hope unfulfilled, uh, his promises to us, when our hope is connected to what he hopes for, we can be confident that it will be fulfilled because of his faithfulness, not because of ours. So we have the hope that is offered to us now, hope that we can walk in. But as Christians, we're not called to hope just in today, tomorrow, next week, next year. The, the hope that we're called to share is the hope that Luke's gospel talks about. It's a, it's a hope uh, beyond ourselves. It's, it's a hope that looks to the horizon expecting. Now, I hope that looks to the horizon and sees what is talked about in... in, So we're over now on page 856 uh, in Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 21. I hope that looks to the horizon and and sees desolation coming. When you see Jerusalem, this is verse 20 just before our passage, surrounded by armies, that's the case. Uh, They know that its desolation is coming near. There was going to be a time of great distress on the earth. Uh, many people falling by the sword. Then verse 25. The people are looking to the horizon in hope. There will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars. And on the earth, distress among nations, confused by the roaring of the sea and the waves. People will faint from fear and foreboding of what is coming on the world. The powers of the heavens will be shaken. I don't know, as, as you look at the world around, if you see some of those signs, more earthquakes, more fires, uh, it hasn't yet hit the point where I've seen anyone look at the horizon and faint. But that's what the Bible points towards. 
this destruction that's coming. And what we see as, as this destruction is coming is that even as destruction is coming, there is one that is riding on the clouds. And so as we look to the horizon, we, we don't look in fear and foreboding to the destruction that is coming. We look to the one that is riding on the clouds. Because the one that is riding on the clouds is the one that has hope for us. Hope of a new creation, a new world. Uh, hope of uh, eternal life. A hope of a perfect body, perfect relationships. Uh, no more tears, no more mourning, no more sadness. Jesus is the one who, when he returns, will bring hope in the full. So what does this passage mean about the environment? As, as we don't take care of our environment, a, a lot of the things in this world are going downhill. Uh, and many Christians will say, well, Jesus is eventually going to come and he's just going to make the, the world new. Why would I actually care for the environment if its destruction means my hope fulfilled? Well, maybe here's a, an interesting reason. I, I'm not going to go on a big sidetrack on this, but maybe here's an interesting reason. Uh, if the destruction of our world, which seems to be connected to the deterioration of our environment, is connected with the return of Jesus, maybe we should prevent that deterioration so that more people get to hear about Jesus before Jesus returns to bring in the new heavens and the new earth. You, you see, as, as we talk about hope, uh, we as Christians need to be deeply connected to what are the hopes that God has. And when our hopes are deeply connected to the hopes that he has, uh, we hear it in the Lord's Prayer, um, on heaven as it is in heaven, on earth as it is in heaven, let me get it right. That's the hope he has. As we're connected to the hope that our Father in heaven have, has, we can be confident that that's the kind of hope that he is going to fulfill. So as we think about the hopes over, these, over this next month, uh, and we, we think about hoping for something bigger than we could do. As we think about God restoring hope, just think, don't think about all the things that you might want. Don't think about all the things like the holidays you might do. Think about what's on God's heart, what, what restoring hope looks like in our neighborhood, in your families, in your relationships, in your work, in your schools. Think about what restoring hope looks like if God was to act and move and change things and begin to pray for that because I think hope fulfills, fulfilled looks like the church thriving and when the church is thriving it's not the building it's us as people and when we're thriving we have light and hope to offer to the world and when our world looks at Christmas and looks at normality and goes actually I remember it and it wasn't as good as I thought it was. As our world looks and experiences disappointment that the hope that is now being fulfilled is not really fulfilling, we can talk to them about a purpose that is found as you begin to hope in Jesus. Let me pray. Uh, Lord Jesus, we look to you as the one that fulfills hope. Uh, we look to you as the one that offers us hope. Uh, we look to you as the one that is able to, in places of disappointment, restore hope. Lord, uh, when we lack strength, you give us strength. 
uh, where we feel like we have no capacity, uh, Lord, fill us with hope for how you want to use us. And as you fill us with hope for how you want to use us, stir in us that the desire to begin to step out in faith for you. Lord, as we wrestle with things that may not have worked in the past, uh, trying new things in the future, as we have hope together for our church, uh, guide our steps, help us to understand your ways and your purposes, help us, Lord, to take on uh, your love as our motivation. Lord, where we are desperately needing restoration in our own life, that that sense of joy and enthusiasm that that comes from knowing that you're connected to purpose. We pray that you'll begin that restoring work in each of us. Uh, Use each of us, Lord, to bring comfort to each other. Help each of us, Lord, to speak words of hope and life to each other. Uh, Lord, uh, give each of us uh, breakthroughs of hope and the words to see breakthroughs of hope in others as well. Uh, For we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.